Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Well, we are so glad that you're here. To my right is Sarah Goodheil. She's also known as Ethan's wife. Ethan, our worship director. She gets more props for being herself. Hey, and can I can I can I share about Yes, the, you okay. can. Yeah. And Sarah is expecting. So we're super excited for them. But hey, uh, my job here right now is just to pray for her as her pastor, but I didn't tell you this part. I'm just gonna brag on Sarah real quick. Uh, she leads part, she leads our welcome team, and before that, she led kids and growth track. Mm-hmm. Sarah's been here since day one, basically. She's one of the most teachable, one of the most honoring, and one of the serving people that I have ever come across. It is my joy. I'm not even kidding. I know that oftentimes you guys see people here praising one another, and you're like, oh, they have to. We brag on Sarah, for real. Like, Sarah is, everyone who's worked with her brags on her because she is so teachable and so honoring and has a legit heart for the Lord and wants to see him glorified. And it's just been my honor to see this gift being birthed and nurtured in her because her and her family all together are called, both her and Ethan and the little one, in Jesus' name. Uh, they are set apart for the work of Christ. So, hey, would you with me again extend your hands as we pray for Sarah that, Lord, you have given her a message that is timely and poignant and filled with the Holy Spirit's fire. Jesus, I pray that our hearts would be opened, our ears would be opened, and our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us, God. Let it be transformative to us so that we may, we may look like you, Jesus that we may have repentful hearts from hearing your word today, God. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Yasmin. How are we doing tonight, Bold Church? 5 p.m., starting off our Sunday this way. I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to share with you the message that God has walked me through this year. And hey, we get to do it in a less heated room today. It's not too bad. (laughs) We don't get to sweat it out like we normally do. But you know what? Even if it was 10 degrees hotter, there is no place I'd rather be than start my week off with you guys. So I'm ready to get started. And I got a question to ask you guys. Who here loves Bold Church? Let me know. You found community here. Keep your hands up. Yes? Okay. I'm so happy to see those hands because I feel the exact same way. Like Pastor Yaz said, Ethan and I have been going here for four years. And we truly have grown individually and in our marriage. And I'm so thankful for that because... That always hasn't been the case for me with church. I grew up going to church, and I love the way I grew up. Super thankful for it. But if I'm being honest, I didn't have that feeling when I went to church. It was kind of a Sunday routine. Um, I didn't have that community from each church that I went to up until now, up until Bold. So that's why I'm super thankful, and I'm thankful that I'm not alone. I mean, we have an online presence that they're not even in the room when they call this place home, right? That's really awesome. But if we ask everybody, if we take a step back and we really take a look at the topic of church, we're not all going to get the same answer. Not everyone is going to feel the same way when it comes to church. 
Unfortunately, some of us have had pretty bad experiences when it comes to church. And the differences could look a lot different in situations. The details can be different as well. But I believe it comes down to one commonality, which is people, right? People are sinful. People are messy. And you know what? Christians are no exception to that. When a Christian hurts you, that pain is real. That pain can last, and it actually pushes people away from the church entirely. They disengage from the house of God. See, when a blind person steps on your foot, you don't get mad at the blind person, right? You know why it happens, and you can move on from it. But when a Christian hurts you, someone who claims they love God, who has a relationship with Jesus, and then that happens, yeah, that pain hits differently. It's, it's different, and it makes people walk away from the church entirely, something that is meant to be good, to bring people together, just like the feeling we named. If you are listening to this and instantly you're recalling something that happened to you because something did happen to you in the church, maybe it was you trusted someone and they broke that trust. Some of us have worked for churches, worked in ministry, and maybe it was your coworker or even your pastor that hurt you. Maybe for you, you walked in the door day one and rumors were started about you. Unfortunately, people in the church were gossiping about you. See, at the end of the day, Christians are people who just fail. They do. And some messed up things have been done to people in the church. We can talk about it because <laughs> it happens. And with that being said, I want to let you know that if you feel this way and that on some sort of level this has happened to you, I want to let you know that you're not alone because I have been hurt by a Christian too. I've gone through this. Earlier um, this year at the top of 2020, something happened to me at school. If you don't know, I'm a teacher. Um, I've taught for seven years. In the last four years, I've taught at a Christian school teaching first grade, and I love it. Um, I haven't really loved it the last two years, if I'm being honest. <laughs> That's been difficult. Um, teaching is hard enough. When you add a world pandemic, it gets harder. But I'm thankful we started in the classroom this year, and I was looking at my class roster, and I had um, a child placed in my classroom that I knew right away needed a significant amount of support that I wasn't able to give as a teacher. I just wasn't equipped. And I voiced this right away to my principal. I've had a conversation with the family, trying to anticipate a rough year, but this child was placed in my classroom, and I just did my best. But at the end of the day, I wasn't meeting this student's needs. I really wasn't. And if you do that for months at a time, tension builds, frustration builds. And at the start of 2022, I got an email from this parent that was pretty frustrated. And I knew that we had to have a meeting about it. The fun fact about this parent is that they volunteer at our school a lot. <laughs> So I see them all the time. So the day the email was sent, I went to them in person. I wanted to touch base, something really quick, like, hey, I got your email. I want to talk to you. Let's set up a time and date. What happened next, church, was that this parent saw me and ripped into me as a teacher. I was this parent's punching bag for a good five minutes, going on and on about everything that I was doing wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I know I'm not a master teacher. <laughs> I know I need to grow in this profession and learn, and I'm happy to do so, but there's a difference. 
you know, this parent wasn't talking about little teaching techniques. This parent was going after my character. And the cherry on top was when this parent looked at me and said, you're tearing down our daughter's confidence. You're tearing it down. And it was just so funny to me because I was thinking of this student's confidence at the beginning of the year, yet I was being blamed for it. Full transparency, I was crying at this point, and thank God I had a mask on because (laughs) my crying face is not cute. I'm just going to say it. So that was covered. That was good. But I can't tell you what I said to this parent. I just thought to myself, get out right now. I'm all for correction. I want to grow in whatever I do, especially when it comes to my job. But what this parent did, church, was so inappropriate. It was so uncalled for. And she's a Christian. She had nothing to say out of love and grace. I'll let you know that. So this is my question to you, church. What do you do when a Christian hurts you? What's your response? Do you cut them out of your life? Do you just go cold turkey? Man, old Sarah used to love doing that. Dare me to ignore you. It made me feel better. It didn't change my circumstance, but I used to do that. Is that what you do? Or maybe you just live with it. You know, smile at them, give them a hug. It is so good to see you. I hope you trip and die. I mean, have a great day. Bye. (laughs) Or maybe what you do is deny it. Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. It's all good. I've done that before, too. And the problem with denial, church, is that it allows bitterness to grow. And when bitterness grows and it's unaddressed, it gets stronger and it's that more painful to heal from. Been there, done that. So what do you do? Because at the end of the day, people are going to be people. We are still sinful. And that is not God's intent for the church. I know that. We're not supposed to walk in through these doors, harboring this pain, trying to muscle our way through it. That's not the intention at all. So what is the solution when a Christian hurts you as a believer? The title of my sermon today, church, is Church Hurt When Christians Let You Down. And it's not about if. It's when. (laughs) So before we get started, let's pray together. I need prayer. This is a big topic, so let's bow our head and close our eyes. Lord, I just pray that you go before me, God. Holy Spirit, let these be your words, Lord. To anyone who has been hurt in your house, God, I just pray that their hearts would soften, Lord, and hear what your scripture has to say, Father. And I just pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. And everyone said? Come on, bold. I know it's five. You've had some coffee, right? Right? (laughs) So before we get to the how church of when a Christian hurts you, how do you move on from that? What does that look like? We have to start with the why because the why is really important. And we're going to go to Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22. And this is what it says. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus shook his head and looked at him and said, Peter, you fool. I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, with this verse, we have to understand that Peter is not just asking this question for fun. He's not asking it because he doesn't know the answer. Peter right here is flexing. He's showing off a little bit. I have students like this all the time in my classroom. They pretend to know a subject, and they ask a question, to kind of show off to their classmates. And it's like, boy, sit down. Like, I know what you're doing. You know the answer to that. 
And Peter is this student. We know this because in Jewish culture, there is a limit to how many times you forgive someone. Three times and you're out. And Peter, trying to look good, suggests to Jesus, oh, how about seven times? I mean, that's more than double, right? But Jesus, being amazing as he is, says that, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And it's really not about the number that Jesus gives right here. It's about the idea of forgiveness, that it shouldn't have a limit. It's limitless. It's infinite. That's the heart of true forgiveness. Jesus goes on in this chapter in Matthew, and he actually goes into a parable called the unforgiving servant. And really quick, this parable is about a servant who owes a king a huge amount of money, this unpayable debt. He couldn't pay it in his lifetime. And what the king does, instead of making him pay it, he forgives them. He gives, shows him mercy. And then this very same servant who has a friend that owes him money, a small amount compared to what he was owed to the king. And instead of showing the same mercy he got, he demands from his friend, give me your money. He demands that debt. So word gets back to the king, a.k.a. God. God is the king (laughs) in this parable, just to let you know. And this servant is now having to pay this unpayable debt because he showed unforgiveness to his friend. And in the end, Jesus concludes this parable by saying, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And this is our why, church. This is why we need to forgive. Even if a Christian hurts you, we are called to forgive. Jesus makes it very clear that if you live a life of unforgiveness, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the level of importance forgiveness is. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking like, okay, Sarah, whatever, you don't know what I went through. You don't know what was done to me in the church. That's, that's a big ask. That's hard. And I don't know the details. I really don't. But if you're having a hard time hearing this, accepting that you are called to forgive as a believer of Christ, I'm going to push back and say that maybe you don't understand the debt Jesus paid for you on the cross. I might question if you really understand how God has forgiven you of all the unforgivable things that you have done. Jesus doesn't deny the pain. If you went through this, he doesn't deny that it was a big deal that this happened. But compared to what he has forgiven you for, it just doesn't come close. This Christian, again, my situation wasn't changing It was unavoidable. I would wake up at night and think to myself, oh, I have to deal with this. I would get anxiety driving to school. I would become the Hulk because I was so livid that this was done to me. I was struggling with it pretty bad. And I knew, I knew I had to forgive this person at some point. But it was so difficult for me because forgiveness is a choice, but healing is a process. It takes time. I wanted to forgive this person. I knew I was called to forgive this person. But my emotions and my soul, they were just not there yet. At the time when this was all happening, um, our church was going through Rooted during our season one of groups. Was anyone a part of Rooted during that time? Ethan and I loved our group. It was so rewarding. We loved meeting them with them every week. And I just, part of me couldn't even pay attention to the first 
weeks of the devotion because I was just struggling with this so much. And I was like, God, help me. What do I do in this situation? And during this devotional time, this prayer time, the Holy Spirit led me to write down four ways to help me heal from this. I chose to forgive that person, but there was a process that I needed to go through. And that's my encouragement today, church, that if you have also walked through this like I have, that you would find encouragement and get steps toward healing in your situation. So if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, write down this first point, which is number one, I will surrender this to God because he is in control. I need to surrender this to God. This step was really crucial for me, church, because like I just said, I wrote down the four statements at once, and when I had moments of struggle trying to move past this, forgive this person, I wasn't really progressing. (laughs) I wasn't going anywhere. And I realized it's because I never really surrendered it to God. I was saying it, but I didn't truly surrender it in my heart. And I just want to say for anyone who's listening, it's okay to take your time on one verse if you're reading scripture. Or it's okay to pray about one thing sometimes and sit on that. As you're healing and bringing something to God, your pace in it is perfect. You don't need to compare yourself to anyone. You don't need to go on a timeline. And I realized that for myself, that I needed to go back and really, truly surrender this to God. And the first, and the verse that really helped me pave this pathway was Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This is such a good verse. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In this verse, Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he's encouraging them by stopping worrying about their situation and taking the first step, which is prayer. (laughs) Sometimes we need to stop and just pray. Instead of stewing in your worries or building up that anxiety, you need to stop and pray to God about this. And at the time, the Christian Philippians, yeah, they were going through a lot. They had reasons to be anxious. But Paul again encourages them that when you take that step to pray to God first, that peace will follow. And it's not about your situation changing like that. It's the peace letting you know that God is with you in this and that he hears you and sees you exactly where you are. If you didn't know, Ethan and I, we've been married for six years, but it hasn't just been us for six years. We've had a dog. Um, His name is Simba. We got him year one, and we love him. He's a lot, (laughs) but we love him. And the great thing about Simba is he's a bigger dog, and we have to walk him. I mean, if we wait for a certain amount of time, he'll let us know it's time to walk. (laughs) And we have to walk him twice a day. We're avid walkers. We got the fanny pack. We got our schedule. Like, we're those people on the sidewalk, okay? And church, it was in this time, my walks with Simba, that I was able to carve out time, really take time to surrender this to God. I mean, it was 5.30 a.m., it was pitch black, nasty raccoon would go by, literally don't know why God created that animal. (laughs) And 
I would walk and pray this scripture over me. I would sometimes do it with tears in my eyes. Sometimes I'd do it through my teeth because I was still so mad. But I said, God, I will surrender this to you because you are in control. I won't be anxious about anything, but in everything as I pray, I will give thanks. I'm going to let my requests be made known to you, and the peace that you offer me is going to guard my heart and my mind in your son's name. Every time I had to pray that. As you're choosing to forgive a believer church, there is going to be times when the enemy is going to want to set you back. It's coming. And in anticipation for those times, we need to pray. We need to prepare. Pray scripture over yourself so that you can remind yourself why you're forgiving this person. It's choosing in your healing. You know what? I still get angry sometimes, but I'm going to let my God know he's in control of this. I'm choosing in my healing that, yes, it hurt like it happened yesterday. However, he is with me in it, and I can have a peace about that. Amen? So in the anthem of forgiving someone, the first step is surrendering it to God. And the second step is I can rest in the shadow of his wing. That's the second part. You can rest in the shadow of his wing because you're safe with him and he knows you. After this initial thing happened on campus, I did what every mature person does. I went into my classroom, locked the door, and cried. (laughs) Like a good cry, not like a cute little tear out of my eye. (laughs) I think the hardest part about this whole thing was in that moment how alone I felt. My school didn't support me. I tried that route. That failed. This family certainly didn't support me, even though I spent many hours of my time trying to help. I mean, have you just ever been in that situation? You've tried everything. I mean, brainstorming, different solutions, and you have nothing else to give. That was the point I reached, okay? That was where I was at. And I knew my lunch break was ending, but I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to get out of that classroom. And I think in that moment was probably such a pivotal part of this whole thing because I was able to hear the Holy Spirit whisper to me, rest. Rest in God right now. Don't try to analyze the words said to you. Don't try to go vent to someone so you can feel better about it. Don't try to solve this problem. Just rest. Rest in me. So that's what I did. I repeated to myself, I'm not alone. My God sees me where I am right in this moment. And in that moment, I was able to recall Psalm 91. Psalm 91, starting at verse 1, says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from, every, from deadly disease. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. I mean, if you haven't read this psalm before, you can read it right now. Like, <laughs> that's your homework for tonight. It is such an amazing piece of scripture. And as I was looking more into this verse, this word kept coming up in different commentaries, in different versions, and it's protection. Protection. And I think sometimes as Christians, myself included, that we don't realize we have access to this level of protection with our Heavenly Father. And I'm not talking about something instant like, woo, protected, I'm ready to go. I'm talking about a refuge, a safe place you can go to no matter what you're feeling. 
anger, depression, anxiety, sadness, even joy. You have that access with your heavenly father. Charles Spurgeon has a beautiful description about verse 1. This is what he says. Those who commune with God are safe with him. No evil can reach them, for the outstretched wings of his power and love cover them from all harm. This protection is constant. They abide under it, and it is all-sufficient, for it is the shadow of the Almighty whose... Thank you. Omnipotence. You're with me. (laughs) Will surely screen them from all attack. No shelter can be imagined at all comparable to the protection of the Jehovah's own shadow. I mean, I can't help but smile when I read that, okay? The comfort of my God provided when I was vulnerable was the exact safety I needed when I was hurting. And it didn't make everything better, church. It didn't change my situation. But realizing that, you know what I was able to do? I was able to get up. I was able to keep going in that moment. One of the things that I absolutely love about first grade is that I get a front row to them growing up. I get a front row seat to them growing up. I mean, not just physically, because the teeth come out and they grow, but academically, emotionally, mentally. I'm there for it all, because I'm there with them all day. Okay, I'm talking like 8.30 to 3, five days a week, nine months out of the year, all day. I really get to know them. And the really cool part about that, too, is that at one point, they don't know me yet, but then they trust me. And I see it. I see it in moments throughout the year. I have this boy in my class this year, and he's going to be a freak athlete. Like, I know it. Like, he just needs to choose a sport at this point. The other day, he was doing bear crawls for fun, and the wind was blowing. And the kid had abs. Like, I'm not lying. (laughs) So when he gets hurt... He's a pretty tough kid, so when he gets hurt, you know it's a big deal. So one recess, he is crying on the playground, and I start to jog over. But a teacher beats me there, and she's trying to assess him. And he kind of just, like, takes a step back, and he runs around her, and he sees me, and he runs straight to me. And so I I look at him. It's not an emergency, and I kind of signal to her, like, it's okay, I got him. But you know, part of me is like, that's right. (laughs) He ran to me. What up, Teacher Janice? Because <laughs> he trusts me, and I know him. Oh, I know that kid. When he wants to get out of assignment, he will say he needs to use the bathroom when he doesn't. I know his strengths. I know when to push him. I know his weaknesses. And I know when he is whining about something, he just needs to rest. That's all he needs. I'll tell him to put his head down. Sometimes I'll say, stand right here. Sometimes he'll just cry next to me. But afterwards, he's able to continue with his day. Because you know some of those moments are at 10 a.m. Like, we have to continue with our day. In the same way, church, we have that same ability with our Heavenly Father, okay? Who knows how deeply we go through things and how significant we are in our hurt. And we're able to rest in the shadow of his wings. And as you choose to forgive someone, You're going to have those moments that sometimes just call for rest. No matter how you are, you can go to him knowing that you're safe. So church, the anthem in forgiving someone who's a Christian is one, to surrender it to God. The second is that you can rest in the shadow of his wing at any point. And the third is, I can trust in his will. Are you with me, church? 
Okay, I can trust in his will because his desires for me are better than mine. As I mentioned earlier, forgiveness is a choice, but healing is a process. That takes a while. And this was the bulk of my healing process at this point. Because there's sort of a sense of like, okay, what's next? Life continues. This child at this point was still in my classroom. I still had to interact with this parent. I would hear things from other teachers. There would be just little things in my day that would bring me back to that place. And that's what happens, right, when you're in close proximity with someone. Even in the church, when a Christian hurts you, you could be on the same team working alongside each other. You could even just see them in the building, and that's all it takes, right? And as I was struggling with this, I have to confess to you, what was playing into it is something I've kind of had to deal with my whole life. And does anyone relate? I have to manage my expectations. That's fine. I'm the only one. It's cool. (laughs) I've just learned that I got to check myself sometimes when it comes to expectations. I just go there. I don't know why. In one area of my life, it comes out with my birthday. I mean, pray for Ethan. (laughs) Six years, four years dating prior to that. And he is trial and error. And it's not him. It's me. I know it's me. If you've ever seen the show New Girl, there's this main character, Jess, and she, there's this whole episode where she has this like, ridiculous expectation for her birthday. And I relate to it so well. <laughs> her best friend gets her these French cookies, and she's opening it, and she's like, oh my gosh, we're going to Paris! And she's like, no, no, how did you... Church, I'm Jess, okay? That's what I'm talking about. And it's not just when it comes to my birthday, it comes with people too. Past relationships, friendships. Our premarital counselor said, oh, Sarah, looks like we gotta talk about your expectations. I'm like, cool, okay, it's fine. And that's the problem with that church. I really have to manage that because to be honest with you, my expectation at this point was that this parent would see the light of day through their thick head and apologize to me. That's what I wanted. My expectation at this point when they went around me and met with my boss about this, that my boss would sit them down and point out all the things that they said wrong. That was how I wanted the problem solved. That was what I was expecting in order to heal from this. And that can get dangerous. If you don't submit that, those daily thoughts, they can really rule how, you, how your day goes. It can dictate a lot. And that is something that I realized in this step. Church, God wants our trust in all areas of our lives. We need to trust him even when this person hurts us and it seems like they're getting away with it. We need to trust them even when this Christian isn't being held accountable for their actions. We need to trust God in this situation even when you've done nothing wrong. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That verse says, As high as the heavens are from the earth are my God's thoughts than ours. And I'm so thankful, church, that I can have a relationship with my Heavenly Father that knows me so well doesn't matter what I'm walking through. I can come to him in that relationship. And he has been faithful even when I haven't. 
But I also need to recognize that my God is (laughs) all-knowing. And there's a reason why I need to trust him in this situation, even when I don't see it right away. In my daily struggle, in my daily choice to forgive this believer, I had to trust that my God was in control and not let my expectations dictate my feelings. And even when you might see this person, because it's going to come up on Instagram or hearing about them, it comes down to your relationship with Jesus and if you trust him in this situation. So with the anthem of forgiving a Christian church, first, you have to surrender it to God. And the second is that you can rest in the shadow of his wings. The third, like I just said, is trust in his will for you. And finally, that last part, you can receive his peace. I can receive, about, receive his peace about this whole thing. And as you continue to choose to forgive, church, as you choose to trust God in this situation, you can also receive his peace at what the body of Christ is called to. God did not intend for believers to run around, mute each other on Instagram, unfollow each other on Facebook or Meta or whatever it's called. (laughs) That's not the intention for the church. That's not how it should look like. Whether you've been hurt in a really significant way or something little happened to you that you're just trying to let go, those things become cracks in the house of God. And we have to take a step back and realize that God's intention for church is much higher than that. In Colossians 3, verse 15, excuse me, 13, it says, And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. It's clear that as believers, we are called to forgive. And it's also clear that as the body of Christ, we need to allow this peace to rule in our hearts. And the thing is, church, if we're really being honest, we're all sinners, right? Including myself which is hard to realize maybe at one point I've hurt someone. I don't like to think about that, but I'm no exception. But that's the beauty of the gospel, that I'm going to choose to forgive this Christian who hurt me in hope that they would make the same step if I've ever hurt someone. Because we are called to that as the body of Christ. We have to see the bigger picture of God's intention for the church and how it's not about us and our limited way of thinking, but about the bigger, beautiful picture of the body of Christ. And I want to let you know, I never got that apology. That person never approached me again and just kind of dwindled into the wind. (laughs) But I can stand here confidently today and tell you that I forgave them. That's something that happened in the past, and I have peace about it. I smile at this person all the time. And it's because I made that decision, church, that I am called to forgive, and I trusted my God in this healing process. And that's my encouragement to you today, that if you have ever been hurt in the church on any sort of level, 
that you would find encouragement in this and choose to forgive that person. And then also trust your God in the healing process because God's intention for the church is much higher than that. And I love the church. I love the local church. And I want everyone to take steps towards that. But sometimes it also starts with our decision too. Amen? If you can, let's bow our head and close our eyes, church. And I just want to take a moment to pray for anyone, anyone who has been hurt by a Christian. Because you know what? This wasn't my first time, and I know it's not going to be my last. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, it's just a matter of when. And I just want to pray for those who might be harboring some pain that might be carrying this, whether it was 10 years ago, last year, or recently. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that that stronghold will be broken, that you can walk away from this, choosing forgiveness for your relationship with God. If you honestly feel that way, if you relate to me so much, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands up and surrender, just to be transparent. It's just between you and God, just to ask, just to ask for that help as you need to forgive someone. So Lord, I just pray, God, for anyone who feels this way, Lord, that they have been hurt, God. You see their pain. You see what they have walked through, God. I don't know the details, but you do. So Lord, I just pray over them, God. I just pray that they can surrender this to you, Lord, and that they can truly forgive the person that hurt them in this way. God, we are so thankful that you have forgiven us for every single thing that we have done, Lord. And it's because of that forgiveness, God, that I pray that we can choose to forgive, Lord. We can forgive that person so that we can step into what the body of Christ has been called to, God what the church has been called to. And I pray this all in your holy name. And everyone said. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.